0: Thinkers and doers share their projects, initiatives, thoughts, and insights on creating a better world. You can find all the stories, links, and other great content at impactboom.org. Follow us on Facebook or Twitter for the latest updates, or subscribe to the newsletter or on iTunes.
1: Thanks for listening to episode 107 of Impact Boom. My name is Michaela, and I'm passionate about bringing you the latest interviews and insights to help you create positive social impact. Today, we're speaking with Julian O'Shea. Julian O'Shea is the founder and CEO of Unbound, an educational social enterprise that designs and leads international educational programs in partnership with universities across Australia. He has a background in technology and community development and has worked on community development projects from clean water projects in rural Cambodia, to sustainable construction projects in earthquake-affected areas of Nepal. His social impact work has seen him named Young Australian of the Year for South Australia and one of Australia's most innovative engineers. He calls Melbourne home and loves coffee, live art, and is on a personal quest to visit every country in the world. On today's podcast, we'll discuss Julian's views on the current state of the social enterprise sector in Australia and around the world. We'll get Julian's insights and perspective on characteristics of successful designers and entrepreneurs. And we'll hear what Julian believes can be done by universities and social entrepreneurs to create opportunities for positive social change on a global scale. Julian, thank you very much for joining us.
2: Great to be here.
1: So could you please share a little bit about your background and what led you to working in the social enterprise and educational sector and some milestones you might want to share.
2: Sure. It's always a bit of a journey, and it's one of those things that, you know, with a bit of hindsight, you can see how the dots connect. But at the time, it kind of wasn't necessarily where I expected to be. So I grew up in the country, and I moved to Adelaide to go to university where I studied engineering. So not a profession that you always think of when you think about the social change sector. Um, So I guess my transition from being an engineer to doing kind of what I do now was um, the steps felt small at the time. So I was working as an engineer um, and realized, no, I wanted to do something a bit bigger, a bit broader, a bit more um, kind of aligned to my values. So rather than do the normal thing, which could be like jump on a website and find a new job, I did the Australian thing where you quit and go traveling. <laughs> So bought a backpack, um, <laughs> bought a one-way flight to Southeast Asia, and then spent the next twelve months, um, you know, doing my eat, pray, love moment.
1: Ah, uh, yes, yes. Um,
2: finding myself and yeah, just visiting some amazing organisations that really got me excited about sustainability, about education, and about how. You can apply your skills in a real kind of way that has impact.
1: Yeah. How old were you when you bought the ticket and and just went for it?
2: So this is a couple of years after university. So it was a gap year, but it was a grown-up gap year. (laughs) So I didn't have to exclusively stay in um, dodgy dodgy dorm rooms. (laughs) Yep. Um, The other thing that I did do is that I kind of gave it a bit of thought and would reach out to different organisations as I went. So visiting sustainability educators in Malaysia or people working on amazing innovation yeah. projects in in Siberian Russia. So, wow. Um, yeah, really great way to travel and it really set me up to, to work on the things that I wanted to do.
1: So as a CEO and founder of Unbound, could you tell us more about the aims of this organization and the types of projects that you're involved in?
2: Sure. So Unbound, our core mission is how do we make education better? And... For us, the answer is working on projects that are based in the real world. Um, The way I like to think about it is trying to look at problems where the solution isn't on Google. Where um, kind of going against the normal grain where when you get an assignment at university, um, they know what the answer is. Like they're they're testing about whether you do as well. Trying to change that to say, well, why don't we work on something where we don't know what the outcome is? And importantly, sometimes we don't even know what the question is. So doing things that are a bit more complex, a bit more... Um, kind of being prepared for the future that's ahead. Um, the way we do it practically is we work with universities across the country um, and more and more are getting involved, that we're collaborating with, and we work with them to design these really amazing educational opportunities that get kids and students out of the lecture theatre and, and working on a project in remarkable places around the world.
1: Wow. So I guess every assignment or course um, structure would be different time and time again. And the results that you would get might be so insightful from each student just being really different in, in the, the fact that you don't have the set answers and you don't know what to expect every, every semester. And
2: they should be different because every person is different. So we have this thing where there's kind of one curriculum. Now it is important to cover up on what people know, but every person has their own values, goals, ambitions, So what if every project could draw on that? And the reason why we think that that's quite powerful is that if you're working on something you love, you'll do a better job, you'll care about it more, you'll read more, you'll ask more questions, you'll just do better stuff. Mm -hmm. So we don't think you're making a trade-off at all. What we're doing is trying to encourage people to do their best work because they're really passionate about it, because they're interested in renewable energies in Cambodia, because they're interested in public health and women's affairs, because they're interested in all of these amazing topics. Um, and that's kind of our model is if we let people shape a bit of their journey while making sure we cover these important topics the outcomes are just a lot more fun.
1: So you've got your base foundation and then the ability to use that to explore those those unique avenues. That's right that's right.
2: We it draws a lot on kind of motivational theory where um, at the moment if you're trying to get a um, good mark if that's the only motivator that's all you work towards but if you can do things that actually impacts the real world, you've got a reason to try a bit extra hard. If yeah. it's something you care about, you're just going to really dive in and explore.
1: And turn up to those 8 a.m. lectures. Correct. <laughs> so working as a course coordinator and lecturer um, for the Social Enterprise Incubator Program within the University of Melbourne, can you share some of your experiences there and maybe what's some of that advice you could give to uni students who are keen to use you know, their future careers, um, as you were saying, and and create positive change in the world?
2: Yeah. Um, I would love to be a student right now. Um, I studied a few years ago, and these topics did not enter my degree at all. Um, Every single person I studied with got a job um, very soon after university, and very few people actually saw, including myself, that entrepreneurship was an option. Mm -hmm. So I think this is a big change. This is something that, that students can think about and do. And I like that idea of kind of normalising it. Um, You know, entrepreneurship can be all kinds of different people with different backgrounds. It's not just a tech bro, Silicon Valley kind of thing.
1: I think that's the beauty of it as well, is that you get that multidisciplinary um, collaboration and that's what makes it so special.
2: Absolutely. I think entrepreneurship can look quite different. It doesn't have to be tech. It doesn't have to be huge. It can be one small business that employs one or two people that really – is bringing a product that you just wish existed into the world. Yeah. So, um, yeah, teaching this course at the University of Melbourne has been an absolute joy, um, seeing what people are interested in. And I think that this is also a change that's happening, is that social impact, social entrepreneurship is not niche, it's not weird, it's not only for a few, it's not a tree-hugging hippie vibe. <laughs> it's just a, such a thing that so many people want, and, yeah, it's something that's really... People are keen to get involved with.
1: And so, what's some of that advice if I was a uni student? I mean, it's coming towards the end of the year now, I, I might be enrolling. What's some advice that you might be able to give?
2: I think students don't recognize they're in a really powerful position, that um, there's something pretty special about being in this place in your career where you're there to learn and you're there, that people are there to help you out. So, something I would do, I really think about and recommend, is that people work out what they want to do, who they want to meet and make those things happen. It's something that I've experienced both when I traveled, took this year off to kind of really discover what I wanted to do, when I was setting up Unbound, um, just the amount of people that you reach out to and just kind of say, hey, I've come across your work here. I really, really like what you've done with this. Everyone likes their ego stroked. And you can then just say, (laughs) I'm studying this. I'm a student, I'm here to learn, I'm trying to grow. Can we catch up for a coffee? Um, And people are remarkably generous with their time. So I'd recommend that students kind of work out what they want to do and then go and um, you know, really kind of meet the people they want to connect with. Um, the other thing I saw recently is that there was a survey done for the graduate employers. These are people that directly employ people out of university and they ranked something like 40 skills around or things that they look at when students apply to them. And I think the marks was in the bottom five things <laughs> that, that actually matter. Things that were important were, of course, things around teamwork, um, people that you really want to work with, being proactive, um, value alignment. So what I would recommend is that, yes, get good marks, work on your assignments, get a good score, fine, but do something that's interesting, engaging. and That could be anything. It could be starting a social movement to to fight for policy change. It could be building a robot. It could be um, volunteering with a not-for-profit, getting involved in clubs and societies, but demonstrate that you really care about something and you have the skills to bring things into the world.
1: I guess that also shows that you, as a human being, and what you could bring to an organisation is more than just a number or a grade. It's it's yourself and your personality and your passion.
2: Absolutely. And what a brilliant way to show you've got a passion, to say, I did something above and beyond.
1: Exactly. So in our interview with Dr. Ingrid Burkett, she described curiosity as a remarkably underplayed quality that is fundamental to addressing community issues. Do you agree that curiosity is one of the most important characteristics of great designers or entrepreneurs? And if so, how might educators best help students unleash this?
2: It is a very important topic. Um, and it's one of those things that can grow. I think that as you look in through programs like um, Impact Boom, you hear about these amazing stories you've got to realise that these things are muscles and things that you grow over time. So whenever you see someone doing something amazing in the world, and we live in a time where you can jump online and yeah. see their LinkedIn profile, see everything they've done, yeah. is that you build up to that, is that you start with a small workshop, then you run a bigger summit, then you run a whole conference, then you run a whole education program. And curiosity is a bit the same, that, that if you um, start to ask small questions, you can start to explore things in a really modest way let's do coffee and catch up, you can then move on to bigger things. I want to travel halfway around the world to spend time embedded in this remarkable organisation.
1: Yeah. So, I like the idea of flexing it like a muscle and the fact that when you see people's journeys or stories on Instagram or whatever, they might be 100 steps ahead. But remember that you are maybe at the start of your curiosity journey and, and making sure that you're not comparing yourself. Do you find that comparing sometimes inhibits that curiosity push?
2: Yeah, I think that you've got to be careful exactly like yeah. that. Is that. Some people have done more things in one area and you always hear about people for what they're good at, yes. not the things that they're not. So yeah. it means that you know you always hear about people that may not be entirely balanced but they're one strength. So just kind of managing that. Um, but look, I think Unbound is kind of in the curiosity business in one way, yeah. that, that what we do is we take people from their um, – pretty standard life in, in Melbourne or Sydney or Brisbane. Um, and we spend time in a very different context. So we live with families in rural areas of Nepal. We hang out in innovation spaces in India. And what I really, really hope is that people go, this is cool, this isn't as scary as I thought. And they start to learn more and go, ah, oh, I didn't go to this part of the country. I'd like to learn more about this. I saw some people working on this great artisan project or science project or education project. And they now know the world just kind of opens up to them. And travel is incredibly powerful in sparking curiosity.
1: So Unbound is almost like a supportive platform for those initial curiosity stages. And then when you get more confidence and the muscles you know, warmed up a little bit more, you're given the background and the base and skill to flex it. Absolutely.
2: Yep. Um, and we see ourselves at the moment at the start of people's journeys. So we work yeah. with higher education um, and work with universities on a range of topics. Um, And it's just the perfect time as people are starting to understand the things they care about, um, but early in their career, so we hope we can have a real impact.
1: Yeah. So what do you see as the most important traits of a successful purpose-led entrepreneur?
2: Oh, good question.
1: Um, (laughs) It's a toughie.
2: (laughs) I think people that are really committed and persistent, but clever in how they do that. So I think persistence isn't try something, get knocked back, try it again, get knocked back, try it again, get knocked back, try it again, get knocked back. I don't think that's what clever persistence is. What it is is try something, get knocked back, tweak it, change it, improve it, try it again, get knocked back, improve it, try it again. So being cl- um, open enough and humble enough that you um, get feedback, that you learn from your mistakes, that you can continue to grow, but persistent to know that you know this stuff isn't easy. Like running any business is hard, let alone running a business that's meant to have social impact as well. So yeah, where your head and your heart kind of merge together is where it works really well.
1: I find it interesting as well, because a lot of social enterprise and these sort of communities are often heart based. I mean, people are really putting their heart and soul into these projects. And so the you know, the idea of getting knocked back and having to change their like their baby. It's their mm-hmm. it's their project is a really tough thing to do. So do you have any, uh, you know, recommendations for people to, you know, if it's a successful trait to be able to let go of that initial concept and be able to tweak it, move it and persevere?
2: Yeah, I think it's understanding which bit is essential and which bit is flexible because it's good to have some things that are core. So um, before setting up Unbound, I worked for a not-for-profit called Engineers Without Borders Um, And it's in the title that that engineering is going to be our approach. So we could be flexible on um, who we worked with or the different ways you applied it. But that's something that we're we're going to do is that engineering is essential. Um, Working on poverty projects is core. But how we do that could be really diverse. It could be product development. It could be this region. It could be a different community. It could be through education. It could be through technology. And I think everyone should be really essential on that. And it varies from organisation to organisation, person to person maybe you have a set of skills and you really want to apply it and you're a bit open to who you work with. So that's kind of what pro bono law is. They'll work with asylum seekers. They'll work with um, people that are facing a criminal conviction that can't afford a lawyer. They'll work with um, charities as they get set up and structured. So they're flexible on who they work with but not the approach. And other groups, it could be different. To say, we really care about group X. That could be a geography. It could be... Um, domestic violence, victims, people with experiencing homelessness. But your approach to that should be really flexible. It doesn't work if you're not flexible on your approach and the group. So That's sort of which one? Correct. Yeah. So yeah, being really kind of conscious about that is it. The other one bit of advice I'd say is there's infinity things to do. Like the, the world is incredibly open. So be really trying to target it if you are trying to build a social business. On something where there is a financial business model that does align with your heart and care and what you really want to do in the world, because there's a lot of things that won't perhaps won't ever be financially viable. So if your approach is to take your probably quite great idea and slap a business model on it, is a lot 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 harder than finding something where those two things naturally sit together.
1: That's some really good advice. So from the work that you know you've been involved in or witnessed, and perhaps you know these people that haven't sort of, which part are they more malleable in? Where do you see social entrepreneurs commonly go wrong? I think that
2: this idea that because my business is for a good cause, that's enough. And I don't, I really, really, really don't think it is. Um, That there have been some studies around how many people like explicitly choose ethical products or uh, things that are quite sustainable. Whereas I think it's really important to provide value. Business is hard business is hard so I think something that I see a lot in Australia at the moment is people going into sectors that actually have really quite slim margins Mm. so it's just hard to run a cafe in Melbourne just any cafe that there's you know high costs and rent and stuff
1: competitive
2: (laughs) it's really really competitive um so I think a lot of people focus on these so it's just hard for any business particularly a social impact one so I think there's a lot more opportunity. What I would love to see more of is social enterprises moving into sectors where the margins are better if their model is and then we donate profits um, to really try to embed your impact. So even if you just break even, you're still having impact. Um, So more business-to-business social enterprises I'd love to see than just business-to-consumer.
1: So you clearly have a passion for global travel, as we've heard, and (laughs) and purpose-led initiatives. From your vast experiences travelling, Are there any countries that you believe are really leading the charge when it comes to social innovation? And what are they doing that you think Australia or other countries could adopt?
2: Um, There are many, many great lessons from overseas, and I would encourage people to go and travel and explore and steal great ideas and bring them (laughs) back to Australia. I'm really focused on emerging Asia, and I think that there's some incredible things happening there that Australia could really take on board. So Unbound's kind of been set up to change a bit of a mindset where normally people go to places like the US or the UK to study. But when they go to places like Nepal, they might go there to help. You know, this idea, yeah. that this community needs us. And I just think that's wrong. I think that they Nepal equally has a lot to, to offer. Yeah. So um, one of the great projects I work with that I really have taken on board my own practice and I wish Australia would as well is the importance of using local knowledge and expertise so we work with an incredible organisation there called Abari, and they use a lot of um, traditional materials, so bamboo and rammed earth, um, just basically saying, hey, 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 the whole world doesn't have to be built out of concrete and steel, That you know things can be more beautiful, can be more affordable, can be really locally designed. And I think that mindset's fantastic. I think that Australians, yeah, we could definitely build better, design better, and really take more things into account than just cost or efficiency and those types of things.
1: So it's challenging what people accept as the like the norm or this is XYZ and it will always be this way, go overseas and you can see things that, no, we do things really differently and it's okay.
2: That's right. And we live in this era where this idea that what can be measured matters. So the fact that we can put a dollar value on some things, the fact that we can measure some outputs... Gives it a higher value than other criteria that could be important? Does it add to community connectedness? Are we more um, connected to the natural environment? Does this promote happiness, joy, love, connection? And because those things are hard to measure, they often get undervalued.
1: Yeah, and they're not less important. Exactly or, right. Exactly. You've obviously just mentioned some... Of the projects but what are some other and you know inspiring projects or initiatives that you've come across that are creating positive social change am
2: i allowed to be cheeky that, one that i'm involved so- with
1: <laughs> yes, um, okay. definitely and then i'll give
2: some joy because i think what's amazing about my work is we get a chance to work with just incredible organizations here in australia and, and overseas um, so i really love the work of the asylum seeker resource center here in australia um, and we've been collaborating with them with their entrepreneurs program um, under an initiative that's been funded by Launch Vic that Unbound's received some support for to support migrants and refugees. So, um, ASRC, Asylum Seeker Resource Centre, um, is supporting some great entrepreneurs and we've been really kind of blessed to, to help them in that work. Um, so, they're fantastic here locally. Um, overseas, I get inspired all the time by the incredible innovators that, that we get to work with. Um, there's an organisation that's Australian and Nepali linked called Seven Women, um, and they support disadvantaged women in Nepal, so maybe people with disabilities or um, single mothers with employment opportunities. They're a social enterprise in their own right, um, and just do fantastic work. So if anyone's ever going to Kathmandu, look up Seven Women and go to a cooking class, learn how to cook momos, oh, and just yum. meet these remarkable <laughs> women um, that are transforming their lives.
1: Oh, wow. So, to finish off, what are some books that you would recommend to our listeners?
2: I would recommend, um, I think biographies are a pretty amazing way to get an insight into people's stories and hear actually how they got there. Um, So, find someone who you respect, admire, and see if anyone's written about them and actually see what the steps were because it's always a lot more messy and.
1: Yeah, it stops you from just focusing on that end. You're like, oh, wow, look how amazing they are, but it's, how did Absolutely. you get there? I want to learn Absolutely. about your fails.
2: Um, other things I liked to read, uh, Tintin inspired me. Uh, Tintin oh, wow. is a boy traveler and boy reporter slash traveler, and um, I'm like, I want to see the world like that one day, and now I get to. Did
1: date. you have a little white dog as well?
2: <laughs> no, but I'm great. I've got ginger hair as well, so I think that. <laughs> Is my kind
1: of go-to for for dress-up characters. Um, Julian, thank you so much for your generous insight and time. I know that our listeners will really enjoy it. Real pleasure.
0: Thanks for listening to Impact Boom. You'll find links to the initiatives, people, and resources mentioned in this podcast on impactboom.org.